series this term is looking at Jesus' spirituality. And hopefully, if I've got the passage right, um, (laughs) we're looking at John chapter 14, if you'd like to turn with me in your Bibles. John chapter 14, verses 15 to 30. This is Jesus and the Holy Spirit. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me. And I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the counsellor, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak with you much longer, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me, but the world must learn that I love my Father, and I do exactly what my father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. So, last week I'm sure Steve very adequately set the background for this passage. Um, Jesus has washed his disciples' feet and then he's dropped the bombshell that one of them will betray him and he's bogging off. Bye. Um, So they're a little bit devastated, to put it mildly. Um, It's okay for us. We know the end of the story, but for them... Jesus has told them he's leaving. If it was me, I would be pretty gutted. Um, 
So this is continuing Jesus' pep talk from last week. Now, I knew I was in trouble when God wouldn't let me go to sleep. I'd been thinking about this passage, and Keith had very kindly asked me to speak before Christmas, so plenty of time. But I couldn't get to sleep. And I felt God, well, I don't know about you, but something's going around your brain, and you think that God wants to talk to you. And I'm sort of rolling around the bed, huffing and puffing, and um, can't get comfortable. And Neil, my ever-wise and gracious husband, said, if God's trying to speak to you, you probably ought to get up and write it down. So, <laughs> all right then. <laughs> um, and the title that God gave me for today was Complete Trust and Total Surrender. Um, now, I normally, I was quite grateful that Keith gave me, you know, before Christmas till now, that's quite a nice bit of time for me to mull over the passage, to chew it over, to see what God's saying. And then normally about two or three weeks before, I start to write it all down because I like to be prepared. Um, and I have to confess that last week I was a bit worried, maybe anxious even, because if God gives you a title about complete trust and total surrender, um, I sort of worry how far he's going to take me in that trust, actually. So um, I knew that I was going to have to surrender to God. And actually, to get this talk written, it has required quite a bit of trust. It's been a good adventure that I'd like you to join with me on. Because as Jeremy Blakey so kindly prayed um, earlier, just before the meeting, that I wouldn't mind sort of, what was it? detouring from the script. I was like, no, I don't want to. I want it all written down. I don't want to have to listen to God while I'm speaking. That would be requiring me to trust him a bit more. Um, Because I don't know what you're like when God speaks. Um, I have to confess, I'm a bit of, all right, God, if you really must. Are you sure you really know what you're doing? I know you're God and everything, but if you really must do it your way, I suppose I'll do it too. Hopefully I am getting better at listening and learning, learning how to respond with joy (laughs) and enthusiasm. And even this week, though, I can think of missed opportunities um, and that reluctance that we have to wholeheartedly trust God. Um, But the joy and privilege of being invited to speak is, if nothing else, I know that I'm not the only one in trouble. (laughs) You are too. Because... God wants to speak to us. He wants to meet with us. Not, it's not just me. Although knowing God, he would make me prepare a whole talk just for me because he loves me that much. But he loves you too. And we talk about the need for us to have a hunger for God. It is very encouraging, by the way, when other people stand up and start to say words from your talk. When we talk about having that hunger from God, for God, But can I tell you that as I was praying for today, God's got a hunger and a passion for you. A tangible longing to be your father. A burning passion. A burning desire to be your God. The sense I got was actually God wants to breathe into you right now. Breathe his very being into you. And draw you into his throne room so that we become one with him. That his breath is breathed into us and then breathed out over the world in a human shape. That we can 
be Jesus right here, just like him. And I've just got a short clip that I want to show that's called Change the World, just for you to, to watch for a minute. Are you willing to trust God? Um, when we trust him, anything's possible. And um, as we become more like Jesus, anything's possible. And Jesus is our role model. He's the one that we follow. He's the example that we can copy. So um, how did he do it? I thought it might be good to look at him as he's our role model and our example. I find that it's wise to find out what he did. Um, And what did he and the Holy Spirit do together? Well, when I looked, I found that the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the desert, that he filled him up, that he brought joy and power. And I don't want to seem unpopular here. Well, it has been mentioned already today, but actually that involved fasting. Um, And I have to confess, I am your archetypal grumpy old bag, gets lightheaded if I even, you know, I'm a bit sort of like 10 minutes late for lunch. So (laughs) it's true. I like my food. Um, And having had three children, I've had some very convenient excuses over the last few years not to fast. It's quite good, actually. When you're pregnant, can't really fast, you know, because you're pregnant. And then you're feeding them and then, you know, lots of really good excuses. Now, Neil, my husband, is fairly amazing because he loves his food too. But ask him to fast, he can do it at a drop of a hat. It's really annoying. Um, Me, I've had to go on a journey. And my journey has been one of trying to fast and failing miserably, shouting at Neil or my children or God generally, um, giving up and saying, well, fasting is just not something I could do, stuffing my face with Kit Kats after a couple of hours because I'm really, really hungry, um, missing one meal and actually managing to pray and not kill anyone. Bit of a miracle, that one. Now, I've read various books on the subject. I read one book that might help you, um, Confessions of a Fasting Housewife, have to confess I wanted to poke her eyes out. Um, <laughs> so I've read around. Um, I have read a great book by um, Mahesh Chavdra, I can't pronounce his name, where he just made it really real and really attainable. And really, actually, he said, if God's speaking to you, you can do this. And actually, I can stand up here and say fasting's really important But you can't fast. In fact, don't fast just because somebody up here says you should fast. My provocation is that Jesus is our role model and he did it. And in the Bible, he does say when you fast, not if you fast, which is what got me on my journey of somebody saying that to me. Um, When you fast, when you follow Jesus and do what he did. But Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to fast and pray. You have to have that revelation from God. It needs to be your love response to the provocation of the Holy Spirit. And my journey of obedience has been frustrating, and it's been fun. I know, fun and fasting in the same sentence. But actually, we've got a fantastic creator God who loves us. And who wants us to worship him creatively, 
who wants us to live our lives creatively. So let him inspire you. I've done various things as I've been working out what God wants me to do. I did a summer where just for six weeks I fasted one day a week for a friend of mine. I did a three-week Daniel fast, only eating vegetables, which, as Neil said, he could never do that because not eating meat would be awful. But actually, it was fun. I got to make different recipes. I had a ball engaging with God at a creative level. And actually, it became something of joy and not of drudgery. So what's God laying on your heart? Maybe you need to set yourself a a time frame. Um, Maybe you're going to build up to a whole day. Maybe it's starting with one meal at a time. Over the next six weeks, maybe you could fast six meals or six hours of television. It's quite handy, actually. Lent starts next week. I don't know if if you know. Pancakes on Tuesday. Um, But actually, that's quite a good framework for us if you've never done it before. Although, obviously, you guys in Oxford know everything, so you're probably already there way ahead of me. But obviously, in the sticks, we're a a little bit slower. Um, But use Lent. See what God wants to say to you. Um, Don't get hooked up into an endless scheme where you're going to sort of fail. Because you can't... Well, I I can't keep things going forever. I have to know where my limits are. How long am I doing this thing for, God? Because actually... If it's never-ending, it can lead to being religious about it, setting laws in place. If I haven't done it, it's all going to fall to pot. And God doesn't work like that. Um, We need to keep it fresh. Our walk with God is constantly learning new things about our God who loves us. But don't make excuses. Don't give up too easily on what God said to you because he's promised us good things. Um, And he's promised especially good things for those of us who persevere. I think my challenge over the last few years is learning just to push that little bit harder and persevere and not give up quite so easily. But I think the challenge for me is to check my motives as well. Um, I did try once trying to fast to lose weight. Can I tell you that God has a sense of humor on that one? And I actually put weight on just just to warn you in advance, okay? Okay. You can't blackmail God, um, but we can join with him in doing battle in the heavenlies. As we put him first and deny ourselves, something shifts. And I I don't understand it, but it does. Um, And it's worth noting that when Jesus was led into this desert, he was full of the Holy Spirit. But it says at the end, he left in the power of the Holy Spirit There's power there when we fast and pray. So don't miss out on what God's got for you. Don't say like I quite often do, I've tried that, didn't work, not going to do it again. Um, Don't miss out on what God might have for you. Um, Explore with the Holy Spirit what God wants for you. We're talking about total surrender um, and complete trust. And God's a God who we can trust completely. Um, and it's not about doing it all our own way either. It's letting God show us his way. Um, We read that Jesus prayed, or we read, sorry, that Jesus prayed, that he spent time praying alone, he spent time praying in the temple, in his father's house, in reading and teaching God's word and acting on it. 
And as I said, I realise that Oxford, you know, centre of learning and all that, um, you're all pretty intelligent folk, so I shouldn't have to tell you this. But you know what? Um, God's been having a nice time with me. I got woken up at two o'clock in the morning, and what I felt was we needed to talk about prayer as well. And so I guess somebody needs to hear it here, unless it is just me. But I just felt God say, we need to remember to pray. It's our lifeline. Um, pray without ceasing. It sounds so straightforward and simple, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> but it's one of those things I think all of us probably would say it's the one that we struggle with the most, to keep in touch with God. And yet, not only is it vital for us, it's also powerful and effective. That's what the Bible says, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Do we really believe that? that God hears our prayers and answers them. Even those ones that seem to go unanswered, those situations where nothing has changed. I think one of the prophetic words was about that, just trusting God that he hears us and that he sees, that he has the power to breathe life into dry bones. You know, when Jesus died on the cross and rose again, I'll let you into a little secret. He rose victorious. He defeated death and suffering. And we can have that hope and that certainty and that sureness that our futures are sorted, that God can work everything out, even when it doesn't seem like it. So do you trust him for those impossible situations And are you going to work with him? Because that's his invitation to us. Are you going to work with me on this one? Are you going to pray into those situations and circumstances? Because that's why Jesus says, I'm giving you another counsellor. That one who will stand by your side, our friend, our advocate, our helper, it says in other translations. Now, he's a good friend and he's also the spirit of truth. So don't try and pull any fast ones past him because he won't let you get away with it. He is that best friend who says to you, you know that haircut, it's not really you, I don't think. That shirt, no, doesn't really do anything for you, not your colour. He's the one who says, actually, the way you behaved last night wasn't really very godly, was it? Um, Perhaps what you said or what you thought you need to apologise to God for. He's a teller of truth, and not all of it will make you comfortable. But as you step out with him, he is the person who will fight your corner, who will give you the goods when you need it. He will tell you the truth about who you are in God, and you need to listen to him. He will tell you that you are loved that you are created by an amazing creator God who loves you utterly and completely. Those songs we were singing earlier are true. And the spirit of truth wants to remind us of that again and again and again. He wants to stand with us in the good times and the bad times and to teach us all of the things that we need to learn And to remind us, um, I'm a biologist by training, but I still think as humans, we have an awful lot in common with goldfish. Uh, 
we we so we are so fickle we so quickly forget we forget what god has done for us we forget what he's said and the holy spirit's there to nudge us to remind us of god's goodness and faithfulness and to teach us how to live like jesus um i did think of um looking and seeing if there was an app for that but um not yet apparently um But we need reminding that God is with us in the storms and the struggles, as well as in the times of celebration. We've had a difficult couple of weeks. Um, We've had two funerals in two days, both of children, both of our friends' children. And that's when you need reminding that God is faithful and that he loves us and that he loves my friends' and their families. And when you stand there with people who are grieving, you know that God is a good God and that he loves them. And that just becomes so apparent. And our need of God becomes so apparent. So what is God asking you to do? Trust him for that dry bone situation. Give over to him some control Maybe he's got a season of prayer for you, or dare I say, even a season of fasting. And maybe Lent would be a good time to start something new. Um, We're going to pause just for a moment. I'm not finishing, sorry, not that early. Um, But just I thought it'd be good to pause for a moment. And we're going to hand out bits of paper and listen to a song. And I want you to let God speak to you. Maybe something from the prophetic words from earlier. Maybe something he's been speaking to you all week. Um, But write it down. Be true to yourself. No flashy resolutions that you'll never live up to and forget all about. But start with something small and achievable. One of the songs we sang talked about making a sacrifice. Maybe God has got a sacrifice he wants you to make. Maybe he's calling you to something... um, that you know that he's been speaking, write it down and wait for God's fire and power to fall. Um, We talked about walls coming down. Some of those walls will only come down by prayer and fasting. And you need God to act. What does he want of you? He's a loving God. He doesn't want you to beat your chest and go, woe is me. He wants you to know that he loves you. His promises to us are good. And maybe you're thinking, oh, I don't know what God's saying. I'm too exhausted. I'm too worn out from the struggle that I'm in. I'm too tired to even think about God speaking. Well, maybe he just wants to minister to you this morning in that deep to deep place where nothing and no one else can reach He's a good God and he loves us. That was was the overarching theme of our worship. And just as you listen to the song, write down what it is that God wants to say to you, what he wants you to do, because he's an active, vital God. And this God of love, what does he say to them in their hour of need as he's told them that he's leaving them? He says... If you love me, you will obey my commands. If you love me, you will obey. Not out of fear, not out of duty, 
but out of love. Don't ever get stuck into doing things because of mere religion and rules. We're not under law. There's not a tick box that if we miss off one of those things that we were supposed to do today, if we make a mistake, that that's it. Actually, when we say yes to Jesus, when we say, sorry, Lord, please forgive you, forgive me, I want to follow you as my Lord and Saviour, there's nothing more that we have to do. But there's plenty more that I want to. So if you listen to the next bit and hear any rules and regulations and not heart, maybe you need to come back to God, sit at his feet and just ask him to be your king once again. Or maybe for the first time, you need to sit at his feet and say, be my king. And ask for the transforming power of Jesus to be at work in you. So he says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. I thought I ought to look at what Jesus' commands were. Now there's a list of about 50. So I thought that perhaps we wouldn't do all of them today, if that's all right. (laughs) I thought we might stick to two. Where it says in Matthew 22, Jesus says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your passion. Serve him wholeheartedly. Give him everything. And Voskamp, one of my favorite authors at the moment, says on her blog, no one ever entered the full rest of God by giving him only half of themselves. No one ever entered the full rest of God by only giving them him half of themselves. We need to give him everything, and then we get everything back. So what are you passionate about? What makes your heart sing? Those desires deep down, bring them to God and hand them over to him and see what he can do with them. Holding nothing back, no hidden secrets, no bits you want to keep control over. I think my children have started reading The Hobbit and are very excited about it. And Lucy's got to Gollum um, and the ring. And I think we're going to be a bit like Gollum. Precious, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. I can't give it to you, God, because what might you do with it? Yes, um, listen to yourself, listen to myself. What might God do with it if we gave it to him, all of it to him? didn't hold anything back. What could he do with it if we gave it all to God? He's the one who made us, who created us, who put that desire in our heart in the first place. And we worry it won't work if we let God have a hand on it. He is so gentle with us, so loving, so good. He can make it awesome and amazing even more awesome and amazing than I could isn't that he's quite good like that he can actually take what we've got and what we love and cherish and turn it into something even more amazing if we put God in charge who knows what might happen and actually that hidden secret that one that you don't want anyone to know about not even God um, he knows all about it 
And he is longing, longing for you to open it up to the light. The enemy would say, shh, no, don't tell anyone. Keep it quiet. Don't let anyone know about that. But actually, the very act of sharing it takes the enemy's power away. When you bring it into the light and give it all over to God, it destroys the enemy's hold over you. So if that's you, find someone safe to talk to, your small group leader, your cell group leader, whoever it is, and just let God work. Because your heart is special. The Bible says it's the wellspring of life. And if you let something in there that shouldn't be there, it spoils it. Whether it's bitterness, whether it's an offense. If someone's upset you, deal with it quickly. Don't let it fester. We're back to that total surrender, trusting God. When someone else gets the glory, enjoy. Let them enjoy it. When someone else pulls you down to be at their level, give it straight over to God. Don't hug it to yourself and grow it into something ugly. Because if you do, it will drag you down and destroy you and your relationships with everyone else, not just the person who hurt you. Give everything of your heart to God, the good bits and the not-so-nice bits, the slightly ugly bits. When you give it all over to God, he deals with it amazingly and it turns into something beautiful. Love the Lord your God with all your soul. What are you giving your soul over to? That spiritual being, that part of you. um, We can't live our life off a sermon once a week at church and maybe a quick prayer text. It's not enough. Believe me, it's not enough. We're back to um, praying and fasting. Had you noticed? Just sneak that one in. Um, But it's not complicated, our Christian walk. It's coming back to God trusting him completely surrendering ourselves to him and feeding our souls um now for you i don't know about you but for me feeding my soul means going for a really nice long walk um although possibly not in this weather today but as i walk i feel that that phrase it is well with my soul comes to mind the holy spirit ministers to me in the middle of god's creation and i love it And I try and find ways to do it. Um, Now, Neil would say that going for a long walk actually drains the very lifeblood from him. (laughs) But because he loves me, he can tolerate a little bit of fresh air. Um, But it just doesn't do it for him in the same way. It does not feed his soul, but he will tolerate it for me. But for me, getting out for a long walk, just the world is in its right place when I get back. And my soul feels satisfied because God has been with me. Um, For Neil, it's worship and deep theological study or something like that. But whatever it is, whatever it is that feeds your soul, find out. Find out what it is and do it. Don't just say, well, yeah, I think it might be reading the Bible or it might be listening to worship. Well, then go and put that jolly worship CD on and listen to it. Turn off heart and try and stop trying to work out who those three secret celebrities are. I think I don't know. <laughs> Can you tell what happens in our house? Yeah. Anyway, turn it off and listen to God instead and feed your soul. Whatever it takes, feed your soul with those good things. Um, I read somewhere, habits are to the soul 
what veins are to the blood. The very course of our life depends on them. And random acts of greatness pale in comparison to habitual acts of faithfulness. Those habits that we have that feed our soul, nurture them and make them grow. Love the Lord your God with all your mind. I did try and find a really good fight scene to show you. You know, something from, I don't know, Die Hard 20 million. um, Or one of those ones where they're fighting for a good cause and they're battling out. um, But I failed, sorry. It's not one of my favourite sort of movie genres. but But there's a battle going on for our mind and it's worth fighting for. Our minds are worth fighting for. And I think we delude ourselves if we think they're unimportant. So what are you reading? What are you watching? What are you listening to? Make no mistake, what's going in has an effect. Now, I'm a visual person and there are some things I just can't watch. Although Die Hard's one of them. Anyway, but some things are just too real and too painful. And there are some films and books that I've seen or read that I really wish I had never seen or read. That my imagination is so vivid I can still picture them now and I wish I couldn't. I mean, I love my mind and my imagination. I love the sensitivity that God's given me. It's a blessing and it's a gift, but it needs protecting. It needs nurturing. It needs watching over. And you need to watch over your mind and guard it jealously. Don't let it be taken over so easily. Keep your mind sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit starts to nudge you when you're watching something, listen to him. Right, finally, moving on because I'm running out of time, but I'm nearly there. Um, Love your neighbour as yourself. My first question here is, do you love yourself? Do you see yourself as God made you? A special and precious, unique individual. Graham's word, God writing his love on your hearts. It's that deep, deep love that God has for you. And if you don't love yourselves, how can you love anyone else? Um... Let God love you. Let him show that you are lovely, lovely, lovely. And then show that love to the people around you. Now, I'm not sure I buy into this karma like, you know, there's various videos going around at the moment about being nice to people. And if you do something nice to somebody, then karma will work its way and something nice will happen to you or somebody will be kind to you and open the door and it will be lovely and sweet and nice. Actually... It comes back to how you treat yourself. If you treat yourself well, if you look after yourself well, then you will treat other people well. And you need to start with yourself. Be kind to yourself. Think nice things about yourself. And then you'll end up thinking nice things about other people. Jesus does say, if you love me and you obey me, We will come and make our home with you. I'm not quite sure how I feel about God coming to my house. 
I did Hoover yesterday, but it's not really the most tidy of places. It's, um, it's a very comfortable place, but slightly chaotic. But it is that place that you look forward to after a long journey away. You know, the anticipation as you're getting closer and closer and the towns are more familiar and then the streets. And you breathe a sigh of relief when you get home. And God's home is heaven, which means that heaven wants to come down and be with us. And it wants to spill over as well. We can't keep the doors and windows shut and locked and the curtains drawn when heaven's in our house. We want it to spill over into the people all around us. We want that place where God's come to dwell with us, to spill out into the streets around us. We want it to spill out into our workplaces. We want it to spill out into our schools and our colleges. And, you know, when you take your shoes off and make yourself at home, we want God to be doing that with our friends and our families. We want to be sitting down and God to take his shoes off and say, so you've had a rough day. Why don't you come and sit on my lap and we can talk about it? I want that for my friends. When I spoke to some of my friends on Wednesday, they had no hope for this little boy who died. They had no hope that perhaps there could be something more than just this being the end. How devastating is it if you have no hope? And actually, we want people to have that hope that there is more. That tragic as a five-year-old dying is, and it is heartbreaking and tragic, Actually, there's more. And there's a God of love that wants to enfold them and that family in his arms and say, I love you. And I so want that for the people that I meet, that they know there's more than death being the end. Because death isn't the end. And um, as Andy's sister said, Andy and Alex are dancing in heaven with God. That's pretty cool. And if a 10-year-old can work it out, then maybe we should too. Um, But we want our neighbours to know that hope. And not just our neighbours as in the people next door, but the people we meet at Sainsbury's on the bus at work and know that there's a good God that loves them. So to finish... I'll finish with what Jesus finishes with. He says, come now, let us leave. I like that. Let us leave. It's not like, off you go now. I've promised you the Holy Spirit. You can go. He says, let us leave. He's coming with us. We're in it together with the Holy Spirit to remind us of all of this, to teach us, to equip us, to inspire us, to fill us and transform us. And if we go on from the book of John, we'll see that the disciples and the apostles took that on board. They went out with power. They faced death. They spoke boldly. They healed the sick and they released the prisoners from their bondages. That's what I want. That's what I want. I want to go out in the power of the Holy Spirit and see God released in all of those situations and circumstances, in all of those lives. And by 
trusting God completely and being totally surrendered to what he wants to do, I think anything's possible. So who does he want you to reach out to? What has he got? What's that one thing, your one thing that God's got for you? You and no one else because he loves you and he wants you to go out in his power and change the world.